Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. We are talking this week about the sustained box office dominance of Spider-Man No Way Home as it continues to scale its way up the all-time box office charts. I've got the latest updates on that for you, as well as some more delays and movies that are going straight to streaming. Is this deja vu all over again? Maybe, but maybe not as well. We'll discuss that. Before we get to that, I want to thank, as always, my partners over at Carbon Health, who are the presenting sponsor for today's show. With the case numbers going up daily, it's even more certain, particularly if you're on the road, when and where you're going to be able to get tested and or vaccinated for COVID-19. If you're near a Carbon Health location and you need a COVID test for either travel purposes or personal reasons, you can book a same-day appointment online and Carbon Health has administered over 1.5 million COVID tests and over 1.4 million vaccinations, and that's not even including the flu shot. It's easy to find a Carbon Health location near you through their app because they're committed to making quality health care affordable and accessible. And as always, I want to thank them for being a partner here on the show. Before we get to the weekend box office, it has been a rough week uh, for film and TV fans, up to and including uh, just last night. There were a few people that I wanted to take a moment uh, and remember, the first being the director and actor Peter Bogdanovich, of course known mostly as a director. He was at the leading edge of the charge of new Hollywood directors with his film The Last Picture Show back in 1971. That movie got eight Oscar nominations. It won two for Best Supporting Actor and Best Supporting Actress. Peter Bogdanovich also continued to direct movies, including What's Up Doc and Paper Moon. He was also a filmmaker that was both part of a new generation at one time and inspired the next generation. Filmmakers like Quentin Tarantino, Edgar Wright, filmmakers that haven't yet hit their prime. He made movies that still matter, and it would be a tough week if he was the only person to speak of, but there was another death that actually broke last night, and that was Bob Saget who was somebody in my household when I was growing up, there was no Sunday evening that went without Bob Saget on the television as the host of America's Funniest Home Videos, one of those shows that I watched weekly. At the same time, he was also a regular on the ABC sitcom Full House. What a lot of people didn't know, especially part of his younger audience, folks like me, was that he was also a very talented stand-up comedian. In a weird way, he grew up with a lot of the people who watched him on television when they were kids. He was a director. He directed a film called Dirty Work, starring Norm MacDonald, who sadly we also lost recently and he was one of those people that had a kind of a dual reputation. He was the sitcom dad, but he was also sort of the filthy uncle, and he could pull off either one of those roles uh, equally, and that's something that you don't see very often. He's the kind of person that you may not think about every day, but I know when the news broke yesterday, I immediately felt this weird kind of uh, loss just because he was such a presence in so many different roles throughout my life. And then last week, news also broke of of the death of Sidney Poitier, who has a legacy that is too great to fully honor in the space of a few moments or even very many moments. I will do my best here to just list off a few of his accomplishments. He was the first black man to win an Academy Award for Best Actor in 1964. He also starred in landmark films like Guess Who's Coming to Dinner and In the Heat of the Night. He was also a director of films ranging from Stir Crazy to Ghost Dad. He was an accomplished stage actor and an author. In 1974, he was named an honorary Knight Commander OB 
GE by Queen Elizabeth II. In 2009, he received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama, and his mere presence served as a monumental step forward for African Americans in the film industry. But it wasn't just his presence that Sidney Poitier brought. He was a lifelong advocate for civil rights and the civil rights movement in the 1960s and going forward uh, in the decades before and since. Sidney Poitier was one of the most present actors on screen. If you were just looking at his legacy on acting terms, just by what he did in the movies, he would be one of the most legendary actors of all time. But when you look at everything else that he meant to so many people, everything else that he did for so many people throughout his life, he really is someone who transcends just the work that he did on on screen and becomes a, a real giant, a real legend just worldwide, just in the world on this little blue ball called the planet Earth. You and your whole lousy generation believes the way it was for you is the way it's got to be. And not until your whole generation has lain down and died will the dead weight of you be off our backs. You understand? You've got to get off my back. His absence will be felt on and off screen, as will the absences of all three of these figures who, in their own way, uh, carved their own spot out in the hearts and minds uh, of so many people in film and television. As always, uh, they will be missed, and my thoughts and wishes go out to their friends, fans, and families. Let's look now at the weekend box office, and as expected, the number one film for the fourth week in a row was Spider-Man No Way Home, a final figure of around $32.6 million. We'll see where that puts it in a lot of different record books in just a moment. Staying in the number two spot was Sing 2 in its third week with $11.5 million. This was also a movie that Universal decided to exercise this option. If you remember going back to 2020, they worked out this deal where if, the, if a movie opened Open below a certain threshold, they could choose to take it to premium video on demand after 17 days. They exercised that option with Sing 2. So Sing 2 was available to rent at home for, I think, $25, which is a bit, bit of a higher price point than a lot of other Universal films, but still was the number two film at the box office. So part of that dual strategy that we're seeing now for so many films. Debuting in third place was the 355 from director Simon Kinberg with $4.6 million. I did do a review of this movie. It was an audio exclusive review. So if you want to hear my thoughts on the 355, spoiler alert, they weren't very positive. You can check it out right now on the Dan Merle Audio Podcast Network. All of those links are down in the description below. In fourth place was The King's Man in its third week with $3.2 million. And in fifth place, also in its third week, was the Kurt Warner biopic American Underdog with $2.3 million. But the story continues to be Spider-Man No Way Home, and we've been tracking its progress on these various charts week by week, and it keeps moving up those charts. So let's see what this week has brought. First of all, looking at the highest-grossing MCU films domestically, Spider-Man No Way Home is now within spitting distance of Avengers Infinity War, about $10 million behind it. Of course, it is going to pass it, and it looks like it is definitely now going to pass Black Panther at that $700 million mark. So uh, unless it really hits a brick wall here, and we have Scream coming out this week, so that's going to be its biggest competition as far as box office goes. But I think that it's still going to pass that mark, so it will settle in as the second highest grossing film domestically for the Marvel Cinematic 
Cinematic Universe. Looking at Sony Pictures, uh, when you adjust for inflation, their all-time grosses, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home is already the highest-grossing film domestically unadjusted for inflation, but the movie will take over very soon for Close Encounters of the Third Kind as the highest-grossing Sony Pictures release of all time even when you adjust for inflation. So Sony Pictures will be able to say that it is our number one film ever. No asterisks, no nothing. It also overtakes the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man on the domestic inflation adjusted list. Reminder, these are adjusted for inflation figures. Spider-Man No Way Home has been the highest grossing Spider-Man film for quite some time. But now, once again, uh, there are no asterisks because even when you adjust for inflation, it's still number one. So right now, ruling the roost as far as Sony Pictures, as far as all Spider-Man films. When we look at the top 10 highest grossing domestic films of all time, it's also making a lot of progress there. Uh, last week when we looked at it, it was at number 10. It has moved up four spots in the last week. So it is now the sixth highest grossing film domestically of all time. Of course, these are not adjusted for inflation. We'll look at that number in just a bit. But Star Wars, The Last Jedi, The Avengers, Jurassic World, and Titanic. It's so weird to think about Titanic being the seventh highest grossing film of all time. Uh, just remembering the hype on that film when it came out. Of course, that's been 25 years ago uh, this year. So uh, uh, ancient history for so many people. But Spider-Man has now overtaken Titanic for number six. It will be a top five grossing a movie and and depending on how far it goes i can it reach avatar i don't know if it's got 92 million dollars left in it domestically but i think we're going to be looking at for sure the number four highest grossing film of all time domestically so uh not too bad i don't think that anyone's feeling too bad about spider-man no way home maybe not cracking the top three highest grossing films of all time especially when you take into account everything that was going on when the movie came out and everything that has started happening since the movie came out that's just how fast things move now. And in, in the course of three or four weeks, we can be living in almost a different world. Spider-Man No Way Home still making progress on these charts. When we look at the all-time domestic list, when you adjust for inflation, you'll see on this chart that Spider-Man No Way Home is at number 34 and Avengers Infinity War is at number 36, which a lot of people may say, well, wait a minute. How can Spider-Man No Way Home not yet have passed the gross of Avengers Infinity War and yet be ahead of it on the all-time adjusted for inflation chart? And I was curious about that too. Part of it is the fact that premium tickets as far as 3D, etc., is not quite as prevalent now uh, as it was even when Avengers uh, Infinity War came out. So it's the fact that uh, movie tickets were a little bit more when Avengers Infinity War came out versus where they are now. And so that works against it for uh, when you adjust for inflation because instead of going up, the total goes down. So that's why Avengers Infinity War is at number 36. Uh, Sleeping Beauty from Walt Disney at number 35. Then Spider-Man No Way Home at number 34. It will shortly cross the Jungle Book threshold, uh, 1967's Jungle Book at number 33. And then it'll cross the Dark Knight at number 32. Again, I think one of those psychological lines for a lot of people when you see a movie adjusted for inflation crossing uh, the box office gross of The Dark Knight, which was such a keystone film, such a landmark film in the superhero genre, uh, that's pretty impressive. 
This was the chart I started last week looking at Spider-Man No Way Home's domestic gross day-by-day day versus the other competitors. And you'll see here at number one that blue line is Star Wars The Force Awakens. You can see Avengers Endgame, which is the movie in orange, as it started off higher but then ended up lower. So Spider-Man No Way Home, which is in green there, you can see is not going to reach that height. But it is still on track to outgross both Avengers Infinity War and Black Panther. And you'll see that gray line, that's Avatar. And that was a much different business plan uh, as it continued to go up and up and up over the days and weeks and months. So as we sort of continue to plot this out, we'll probably do this for at least one more week uh, or until Spider-Man uh, passes Black Panther domestically, you'll see that Avatar just keeps going up because people kept finding that movie and going back week after week after week and that's how it got up to number three when we look at the per theater average for this past weekend for the fourth week again um spider-man no way home eight thousand one hundred and thirty dollars per theater meaning that for every location four thousand twelve theaters where it was showing it brought in an average of eight thousand dollars to each of those theaters which is uh not a huge number but certainly bigger than a lot of theaters were seeing with the releases in 2021 on week one. I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home has been an absolute uh, mana from heaven. It has been a gift to theater owners. However, there was some discouraging news. It's almost sort of like uh, the fate or whatever. Hollywood uh, didn't want theater owners to get too happy because there were two kind of uh, kicks to the groin area, if you will, uh, for theater owners this past week. One of them is Morbius, which was the next release in Sony's Spider-Verse. However, it's going to link in or not link in uh, to the Tom Holland stories. It was slated to come out in January. It will now be coming out on April 1st. The original release date was last July. It has changed dates seven times since then. It just keeps getting pushed back and back, and then it was pushed forward, and then it was pushed back, and now it is not coming out until April. There was no official word given from Sony as to why this happened. There's been speculation that perhaps they wanted to give Spider-Man No Way Home a little more breathing room at the box office, but also speculation that it was because of the surging COVID numbers, and they didn't want Morbius's a box office performance to be affected by those. Even though Spider-Man No Way Homes hasn't, this movie's like a unicorn. You can't say, oh, well, everybody's going to go see every movie because they went to see Spider-Man No Way Home. One glimpse at the box office charts for the other films that have come out just in the last few weeks will show you otherwise. So we have Morbius moving out of the way, but at least it's still coming out in theaters. There was also an announcement from Walt Disney that I'm sure theater owners didn't like, which is that the newest Pixar film, which is called Turning Red, it was scheduled to open in theaters on March 11th. Disney announced that it will not be going to theaters at all. It is going straight to Disney Plus, not the sort of hybrid thing where you pay extra to rent it on Disney Plus. You'll just be able to watch it on the service on March 11th. It is now the third consecutive Pixar film to skip theaters altogether. Soul was not shown in theaters. Luca was not shown in theaters. Turning Red now won't be. Of course, Pixar traditionally has drawn huge business to movie theaters, and a spokesman for Disney did did give some reasoning for this. They cited, number one, the fact that they were worried that family audiences were not going to be going to theaters due to the Omicron surge, but they also said that this was part of Disney's commitment to grow the streaming service, which has been their priority. Disney Plus is the number one priority of the Walt Disney Company, and you can tell that they really want to prioritize growth, and so now we have the third consecutive Pixar film not going to theaters, and a lot of people are saying, like, well, this seems like 2020 all over again, and I will admit it does seem similar. 
similar. Uh, but I do think, first of all, looking at the data from what's going on right now, the fact that we have vaccines, we have many more ways to fight what's going on, and it seems like this wave is a little bit shorter lived. You spike higher but fall off quicker. We'll see what happens with the numbers. I don't think this is going to be the kind of thing that extends into the summer like it did coming up now on two years ago. Obviously, we're going to be dealing with this for a very long time, but I don't see the kind of wholesale pushing of things off the calendar that we saw in 2022 right now. Of course, as I said, things can change in a week or two weeks and we can be in a completely different place. But nothing I see right now says to me that movies like The Batman or the summer films that are coming up are in serious jeopardy uh, given the current conditions. Of course, it is discouraging to see movies push back and to see for, uh, I'm sure, some Pixar employees and for a lot of theater owners to see Turning Red going to Disney+. Plus. But this is just part of the new paradigm that we're going to be dealing with at the box office. And every movie that's delayed or pushed to a streaming service now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we should worry about all the other ones that are scheduled for theatrical release. What COVID did, uh, in my opinion, is to just push the accelerator on a lot of movies Moves that studios were already planning to make, but we're going to do much more gradually as far as sending high-profile pictures to their streaming services and prioritizing streaming over theatrical, cutting the theatrical window, making things available for premium video on demand sooner. This was the way that we were going anyway. And I think that 2022, again, as long as things don't change drastically from where they are right now, is going to be the first year of adjusting to what this new normal is going to be. Distribution-wise, it's not going to be like anything that we've seen uh, in the movie space before. It's a whole new world. It's a brand new world uh, and we're all just living in it. So I am discouraged by the fact that we're still seeing pushes and things moving to streaming services. And yes, I think it does have to do with the short wave or short term implications of what we're going through right now with this wave with Omicron. Uh, but I think it has much more to do with where we're going and where we're going to be hopefully long after uh, COVID-19 has stopped being in the news daily and we're just adjusting to Hollywood's new normal. Looking at the specialty box office, the limited release films, these are movies that are in 1,000 theaters or fewer. Licorice Pizza maintains its dominance in its seventh week in 772 theaters, taking in just under a million dollars. In second place is the Indian film, 83 in 277 theaters, making just under $200,000. Then we have Parallel Mothers in its third week, expanding to 18 theaters and bringing in $73,000. Red Rocket in its fifth week at 144 theaters, bringing in just over $60,000 and Drive My Car, which continues to build momentum perhaps towards a Best International Film Oscar in 29 theaters, bringing in just over $40,000. Before we move on to the international numbers and see how things are doing worldwide, I wanted to take a moment and thank this week's sponsor, which is Athletic Greens. I turned 39 last week, believe it or not. I have a hard time believing it. And part of the commitment I'm making to myself and to Mara and my family and friends as I stare down the barrel at 40 years old is a long delayed turn towards better self-care. Part of that commitment is improving what goes into my body every single day. And coincidentally, Athletic Greens came on board as a sponsor right at this time. And it's actually great timing because I was in the market for something like this already because I do need to improve 
improve what I ingest. I've had a problem since I was a kid. I am generally averse to anything green and anything that is good for me. And Athletic Greens is both of those, but the difference from it and other things I've had in the past is that it actually tastes good and it's something that I look forward to having in the morning instead of dreading. One scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, and most importantly for me, it supports gut health. I had a tiny scare last year. I'm, I'm fine. Not, there's no problem with me right now, but it's made me really focus on my digestive health. Adding Athletic Greens to the regimen that I was already doing has really made me even more confident that I'm doing the right things for my body every single day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially as we head into the cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, which is great because it's winter and none of us are getting enough of it, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Dan, D-A-N. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Dan to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And I want to thank Athletic Greens for helping me take this journey in 2022 and beyond. Let's look now at all the markets outside of the domestic box office market. These are the international numbers for this weekend. Spider-Man No Way Home returns to the top of the charts with $64.4 million, followed by Sing 2 with $17 million, and The King's Man with $13.4 million. Embrace Again uh, fell sharply in its second week. We see this a lot with the Chinese box office. You have a huge debut and then a sharp fall in week two. It made $10.9 million, and then G-Storm in the fifth spot with $8.9 million. When you combine the domestic numbers and the international numbers, you get the worldwide box office, and Spider-Man No Way Home is number one there. It pocketed almost another $100 million this past weekend, $97.4 million, followed by Sing 2 with $29 million, The King's Man with $16.6 million, then Embrace Again, still in fourth place with $10.9 million, and The Matrix Resurrections with $9.5 million. It should be noted that Spider-Man No Way Home hit one of its last, if not its last, major international market this past weekend, which was Japan. So it is now open in pretty much all of the big markets it's going to open in, unless China has a change of heart here in the next uh, two or three weeks and decides to open up Spider-Man No Way Home. But I don't honestly see that happening. So uh, another thing when we look at this success that it's having is the fact that it has not opened in the Chinese market at all. And yet, when we look at the highest grossing worldwide films of all time, last week, Spider-Man No Way Home was not on this list. This week, it is. It is now the eighth highest grossing film of all time worldwide. It now sets its sights on 2019's The Lion King and Jurassic World at number six. The question being, can it break that $2 billion barrier? I don't think it's going to. I think it'll probably settle in at six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. So I think it's going to be outside the top five all time. But again, if you're Sony, I don't think you're quibbling too much that the movie didn't quite make $2 billion. Now, if there is a change and it does open in China, then then that kind of changes things. But, but I would not place a whole lot of bets on that. 
This is the debut of a chart. This is the 2022 worldwide box office. So I will continue looking at the worldwide and domestic charts from 2021. And if anything changes on those charts, I'll let you know. But it is time to focus on 2022. And even though this isn't a full chart yet, and a lot of these movies haven't made a lot of money, we need to start looking at what films are doing worldwide. The number one grossing film of the year so far is The 355 with $4.6 million. That's going to spend one week at the top uh, before it gets blown down to who knows how far uh, down the chart. At number two is the Chinese animated film Mo Chicken Squad, A New World. Then in third place is the South Korean film The Policeman's Lineage, followed by the Japanese film Bang Dream Poppin' Dream which is a anime film. I did not make a mistake, by the way, with that G. That G is supposed to be capitalized. So don't come at me with my typos. Take it up with Bang Dream, Poppin' Dream. Back to Love is at number five with $80,000. That's a Chinese film, followed by two more Chinese films, Burning Ice and The Stolen Caravaggio. See For Me from Our Neighbors to the North up in Canada is at number eight. And Sparks, the Ken Sparks story is at number nine. There is no film currently at number 10, although that will change because we'll at least have Scream, which is the newest film that's opening here domestically and in other markets this upcoming weekend. When we look at the 2022 domestic chart, the 355 is also at the top there. It will not be at the top next week. See For Me is at number two, and Sparks, the Ken Sparks story, is at number three. And we don't have anything filling out that four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, but that's going to fill in in the days, weeks, and months to come as we build whatever the resume is going to be for 2022. Before we look at the streaming charts, I always like to do a box off flashback and this week we're going back to 2006 January 6th through the 8th 2006 the first box office weekend of the year and the debut of Eli Roth's Hostel which ushered in a whole new era and quite frankly one of my least favorite eras uh, of the horror genre it was the number one film though at 19.5 million dollars in second place kind of the polar opposite the Chronicles of Narnia the Lion the Witch and the Wardrobe in its fifth week in the second spot followed by Peter Jackson's King Kong in third place the Jim Carrey film Fun with Dick and Jane in fourth place and the Steve Martin sequel Cheaper by the Dozen 2 in its third week rounding out the top five before we go as always I like to look at the streaming charts and we start with what people are watching on Amazon Prime Video now keep in mind these aren't the movies that are included with Amazon Prime these are only the ones that you can buy or rent Amazon does not provide the streaming numbers for things that are included as part of the service. At number one is Sing 2. I mentioned that Universal put it on premium video on demand. It is right there at the top of the Amazon chart, followed by Ghostbusters Afterlife, which begins its home media rollout. It's available for purchase right now. It'll be hitting the 4K Blu-ray market as well as the rental market in the weeks to come. Venom Let There Be Carnage is at number three. King Richard now available for rental at number four. No Time to Die is at number five. And then all holdovers in the rest of the top 10. Free Guy at number 6. The Amazing Spider-Man at number 7. Spider-Man Far From Home at number 8. Sing at number 9. And Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City available via premium video on demand at number 10. When we look at the iTunes charts, what people are buying in the Apple Store, Sing 2 and Ghostbusters Afterlife, also number one and number two over on those charts. No Time to Die is at number three, available for purchase or rental. Venom Let There Be Carnage and The Last Duel are at number four and five. A Ghostbusters 3 movie pack is there at number six, available for purchase. There's been some controversy over the packaging of these Ghostbusters films because uh, particularly the physical copies are being advertised as the ultimate edition, but some people are saying like, well, the 2016 version's not in there, and other people saying like, well, it's all about one continuity. 
Anyway, it's still 2022, and we still have Ghostbusters controversy on the internet. Some things never change. At number seven, Spider-Man Far From Home. At number eight, The French Dispatch. Sing enters the chart at number nine, so maybe people doing a double feature with Sing 2. And then The Protégé, which is a 2021 film, was available for 99-cent rental as well as purchase, and that put it up to number 10 on the iTunes charts. Now we turn to Netflix, and I'm adjusting what I'm reporting just a little bit. Before, I was looking at the global hours watch data that Netflix was providing, and I was showing you the top 10 overall most watched programs, and then the top 10 movies and the top 10 series. But there was a lot of redundancy between the top 10 most watched programs and the top 10 series, because those were generally the ones that generated the most watch time. So I'm still going to bring you globally the 10 most watched movies and the 10 most watched series, but then I'm going to nix the overall top 10 and instead show you what people are watching in the U.S. as well. So kind of a combination of what I used to report and the new way of reporting. So let's look first at the most-watched movies on Netflix globally. This is for the week of December 27th to January 2nd. Don't Look Up stays at number one. And, I mean, look at that gap. 152,290,000 hours watched versus The Unforgivable at number two with 21 million hours watched. So if people are watching a movie on Netflix right now, they're watching Don't Look Up. There's been, re- there's been reports that it could perhaps become the most watched original Netflix film of all time. We'll see how those numbers stack up. At number three is an awards film, The Lost Daughter, making its debut, followed by Back to the Outback at number four, the Netflix original Luli at number five, Vicky and Her Mystery at number six, Red Notice is at number seven, still on the chart after eight weeks, Spider-Man Homecoming and Hobbs and Shaw, two movies that are not streaming in the United States, are at numbers eight and nine, and then Minal Morali is at number 10. Looking at the most watched series on Netflix globally, again, this is for the week of 1227 to January 6th, Second, season four of Cobra Kai made its debut, and it was the number one most watched series on Netflix globally. It unseats The Witcher season two with 120 million hours watched. The Witcher season two bumps down to number nine with 94 million hours watched, followed by Emily in Paris season two, The Silent Sea season one, the first season of The Witcher still in the top five. Another debut, Stay Close Season 1, is at number 6, followed by The Queen of Flow Season 2, Money Heist Part 5, Emily in Paris Season 1, so a lot of people binging that whole series, and then Daughter from Another Mother Season 2, a Netflix original series, at number 10, and also a debut on the chart. Looking at the U.S. and what people are watching, I don't have the hours watched numbers for this chart, so this is just the overall top 10 for what people have been watching in the U.S. for the same week, 1227 to January 2nd. Don't Look Up, No Surprise, was the most watched movie in the U.S. The Lost Daughter, overperforming versus how it did globally, there at number two in the U.S., followed by The Unforgivable and Back to the Outback. Journey to the Mysterious Island, a movie that is not available globally, was number five in the U.S. for that past week, followed by Death to 2021, Red Notice, Vicky and Her Mystery, The Shack, and Old Boy, Spike Lee's version of Old Boy. Again, these are movies that we're seeing charting here in the United States that were not among the top ten most watch globally and then finally the 10 most watched series on netflix for this past week and you know you might think that coco melon would be on this list because a lot of kids were home but it is not actually number one is cobra kai season four followed by the witcher season two then emily in paris season two the witcher season one the silent sea season one Queer Eye Season 6, a new season available, so some folks in the U.S. catching up on that. Stay Close Season 1, 
Crime Scene, The Times Square Murders at number eight, Emily in Paris season one at number nine, and The Queen of Flow at season two. So no Coco Melon this week. I guess people were watching their kids. Uh, maybe maybe the preschools have Coco Melon on. I don't know. I, I think it's probably likely that we'll see a return. Uh, by the way, if you want to see a recap of 2021 just in Coco Melon, which was a big topic on this show, you can click the little annotation up at the top of the screen. It's just a fun little supercut I did of how we covered the show here on Charts. Uh, last year. And that covers us. It was a bit of a lengthy show unexpectedly this week, but there was a lot to get to. I want to thank both our sponsor, Athletic Greens, and my partner, Carbon Health, for helping out with the show. You can find information about both of them down in the description below. Stay tuned here on the channel. I'm going to have a review of Scream coming up this week. I'll also be looking at some other movies to catch up on. I just did my review of Arcane. If you haven't watched it yet, it was one of the things that I caught up on toward the end of the year. I really, really liked it. You can catch that review here on the channel. And I'm always looking looking for new stuff to watch uh, and review things that maybe are just coming out. I'm, I'm going to try to be on the leading edge. I don't want to always be catching up with the arcanes and the squid games of the world. I, I want to be up there, you know, a little bit more uh, to help you discover it instead of you helping me discover it, which is how it's been working uh, a lot of the time. If you want to see even more of what I'm up to, you can check me out on Patreon at patreon.com slash Dan Merle. I'm going to be making some changes over there that I'll announce very soon. But most of all, thank you for watching me here on the channel. Please stay safe out there. I'll be back with more movie news, reviews, you name it, later on this week. Thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time. Bye.